Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Southern Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back yet again, and I know you're all probably sick of my voice, don't worry, we're going to get some variety on over the next few weeks or so, uh, but I am back today to preview Sunderland's latest game, which is of course coming up at the weekend against Charlton Athletic in League One, and joining me today to preview that game very kindly is Sue Gallup from Charlton Live. Hiya Sue. Hi Gav, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on. I, I, it's the first time we've spoke, the first time we've had you on, so no pressure. But we've uh, <laughs> we, we've got we've got a lot of friends across League One, so it's nice to meet new people all the time. With regards to Charlton, then where does it start for you? Because I imagine you followed the Addicts your whole life, yeah. Yeah, I um started going to Charlton when I was about twelve. I'm in my mid forties now. Uh, we was actually sharing at Sellers Park at the time oh. when I started going. So I've seen us um, seen us go through some really rough times, but it's just one of them clubs that once you get involved and, and start going, it just gets you hooked, probably much like yourselves, to be honest. Yeah, well, we've, we've, we've crossed each other's paths a few times over the years, haven't we? I presume you were at the last final we played against each other and also were you there in 98? Yeah, yeah, 98 and the last one. Oh, good times for you then. <laughs> I talked to a couple of Sunderland fans on Twitter just because I think we've just got that special relationship and, mm. and kind of get each other's struggles and sort of even in the good times and stuff. We I think we always wish Sunderland well in whatever's going on, so... Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a bit of friendly rivalry, I would say, isn't it? We The thing that <laughs> I don't like so much is that Charlton tend to come out on top more times often than not in that rivalry. Like I said, I've just mentioned the two playoff finals. I was only quite young when uh, 98 rolled around, but I was there at Wembley. Mm. I mean, it's still even now, isn't it? it go, it's gone down as probably the best ever game at Wembley Stadium. It's the one that's always replayed on Sky when they're trying to fill an hour. They always stick that game on because people love to watch it. It was end-to-end, you know, back and forth. So many mini-stories going on in the game. You know, you had Clive Mendonca, who was a Sunderland mad centre-forward, playing for Charlton, scoring the hat-trick that promoted Charlton above Sunderland. You had all these different things going on, and it's, it's stood the test of time, that game. We're talking, what, 24 years ago? 
Yeah, it's, it's I, I mean I was I was an adult. I was a young adult when when that that came and it's it's a weird one because I I don't I don't have any I've I've got some vivid memories of it but more that like on an emotional level the the sort of the being upset then being like mad happy then it's it was so up and down all throughout the game and then just that I actually stewarded a coach that day and um I can remember the the journey home the clearest out of anything else was everyone was just silent because we were so drained yeah it was the same with our fans mind yeah I mean it was it was, we came out of Wembley everyone was like lovely there was no bother like people like well done and we were like oh sorry and it, I mean, we have got that nice relationship between us, but it was, yeah, and then on the coach on the way home, it was just silent. Like, people yeah. were just so drained. Just, a, yeah, like you say, like I, I always sort of say, when I used to work at Cheltenham, I used to do a tour with with the kids um, on a match day, and I used to say, actually, that game was voted the second best football match ever played at Wembley Stadium, and that was only second to the World Cup final when England won in 66. Mm. So, and and as far as I'm aware, that hasn't changed because, like you say, it there will never be another game like that one. Mm. I can't just breeze past that, by the way. You used to work for Charlton. What was that? What, what did you used to do? Yeah, so I, I basically, when we went back to the Valley, the club didn't have a lot of money, a lot of finances. So myself, my mum and my stepdad were all volunteers there. When we first right. went back, so we used to just help out with stuff. And then over the years, um, at one point I was the mascot, so I was um, Harvey the cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I started helping out on like sort of more community-based stuff. So like in the summer holidays, just we would go, we'd go out to the park, local parks and travel round, promoting the club, giving the kids free activities to do. And then I got a full-time job there. Uh, while I was doing my degree, I was helping out with the community scheme and right. also helping out with with some stuff at the actual football club, more around like the, the junior members and sort of charity stuff. And then a part-time role looking after the disabled supporters and looking after the match day mascots. Oh, right, okay. So, yeah, I was doing that. And then when we got relegated from the championship into League One, well, I got made redundant, but I kept the match day job of looking after the mascots. All right, okay. But, yeah, I ended up giving that up. It's about four years ago now, in all honesty, just because I didn't like the way the, the club was being run. Mm-hmm. Didn't agree with how some people were being treated. And yeah, just really fell out of love with it for a while. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, season ticket holder now again. So. <laughs> well, fast forward a few years, then under new ownership, mm. beat us obviously in that playoff final to go into the championship, but were relegated back to League One. How are you feeling mm. about the direction of the club at the minute? Under it's Thomas Sandgard, isn't it? I don't want to get that wrong. The current owner of the club. How how do you feel about how things are going under him? It's a difficult one, Gav. It's it's. I think when he first come in, we were all full of excitement and hope because obviously we had all the the farce with Matt Southall and the Neymar 
who we sort of refer to as the fake shake. When Thomas came in, we was like full of hope. He was saying all the right things. It was quite exciting. And then I think as as time's gone on, I'm starting to get a little bit more worried mm-hmm. about, about the direction of the club. There's a lot of... I mean, when, when Thomas first came in, it was he was very much like talking to fans, very sort of present. Things have gone a little bit more quiet more recently. I think we've sort of been a little bit worried that his company, the share prices have dropped quite dramatically and we don't know whether that, that's going to affect what he can put into the club longer term. Yeah. Uh, there's a, obviously a question mark over Johnny Jackson continuing to be manager because the contract that was signed is effectively a rolling contract. So he has to finish within a certain position in the league table to then get the extension to his contract. So with that, obviously, then you worry about we've got, I think it's 11 or 12 players out of contract at the end of the season. Right. So if you don't know who your manager's going to be, are you going to re-sign those players? How are you going to recruit? Because you don't know exactly who the manager's going to be. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel quite worried and I, I think it's things are quite uncertain at the moment. Parallels to be drawn with Sunderland's situation in a lot of ways because we had a similarly bad situation whereby we plummeted from the Premier League, from the Championship into League One with an owner who'd lost interest with a lot of debt saddling the club, but a lot, you know, a lot of bad things going on, and then uh, Stuart Donald came in and took took everybody by surprise. He was very um, apparent. He was always he was on our podcast quite a lot. For instance, he was appearing every here, there, and everywhere with fans, and um, people mm. originally thought, "Yeah, this is great," but it very quickly started to unravel, and questions began to be asked, and still are asked to this day about you know his continued involvement and other people's continued involvement in the club and sometimes your gut instinct is right and mm. you might you might be right with Thomas Sangor I don't know a lot about him I, what I do know about him is that he was a bit like Stuart Donald here there and everywhere always appearing on talk sport and and things like that chatting about the club mm. but obviously when things start to go awry as the as they are a little bit at the minute I mean you look at the league table at the minute Charlton sitting in 16th we had Tom White mm. from Sky Sports News on the pod at the weekend and Tom believes that maybe the team's in a false position in the table mm. Where, would you agree with that or not do you think they're in a false position well my view is the table doesn't lie does it your position is only as good as your results mm. so in that respect I can't say that we should be higher I think when you look at the squad on paper, we should be doing a lot better. But as it's been sort of well publicised, we have had a lot of problems with injuries. Mm. Some of the, I think, in the January transfer window, we obviously got some more loan signings and a permanent from Ipswich. But then I think he made one substitute appearance and he got COVID. So we haven't really seen a full-strength squad. That's Scott Fraser you're talking about, by the way, isn't it? Scott Fraser, the former. Yeah. Yeah. Who who is a player we've been linked with a, a lot down the years, but yeah, I was I, I thought he might be a good signing for Charlton. Yeah, I think obviously he's definitely one for next season. Mm. I think he he was sub at the weekend. Um, I'm not sure if he came on. I can't remember, but he was definitely one that we were after last summer 
um, and he ended up going to Ipswich. So thankfully we've got him. But when you've got 11 or 12 players out of contract at the end of the season, you're then worrying about who's going to come in. Because like, your discussions effectively start in January, don't they, for yeah. your summer transfer window with players that might already be out of contract. Yeah, we had that problem last season when it came to sort of the tail end of the season. A lot of players knew they were leaving the club and you could tell in some of the performances as well. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, And this, this would probably be a really strange comparison, but I always feel like footballers are a bit like children. They need to know where they stand, they need to know what's going on, they need reassurance. And at the moment, as a football club, we haven't got that. So then, as a player, mentally, how difficult must it be if you don't know where you're going to be next year mm. or next season, sorry? Yeah. You don't know who your manager's going to be. I mean, the the lads all came out, like, when Jacko was a caretaker manager, the lads were quite vocal about the fact that they wanted him to be the manager. As soon as he signed that permanent deal as manager, things started sort of going down, and I, I don't know what that's about. I don't think Jacko's doing anything differently. But again, I think we effectively don't have a fit striker in the team at the moment, right. which is obviously going to make life a lot harder i noticed just looking at the team from the weekend you had an 18 year old mason burstow playing up front with elliot lee who's a midfielder isn't he so yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that and that's shown that's shown in results if you look at the last i'm just looking at your last sort of clutch of results well he lost five in a row yeah and your last three you haven't scored a goal Mason is actually signed for Chelsea in the tran- in the January window and mm. then they loaned him back to us. He got injured a couple of weeks ago with a hamstring injury. So I don't know on Saturday how fit he was. But then we've got Jaden Stockley that's now coming back from a, a hip injury. But again, it, he's been in and out of the team with these injuries. So... He might then play a few games and then it's the same issue again. He's, I think he's got a problem with his hip. So I think players are playing when they're not fully fit because we don't have any other option. Yeah. Which yeah. is never a good thing because then you end up losing them for longer. Like we've done the same with Ryan Innes, one of our central defenders. He's unbelievable when he's fit, but we keep going through these phases of like he'll play four or five games and then he's injured again. So he's out injured again at the moment. I don't know if we'll see him again this season. So it's rough at the minute. It's really rough. I'm looking at your team, actually. And there are quite a lot of players in there who are, I would say, the good League One players. You know, it's it, it's not a bad team at all. Decent bench of players that you had in the, in the last game against Sheffield. But like you said before, the table doesn't really lie and the results recently have been poor. Just as somebody who hasn't watched recent games, I'm just looking at the calibre of some of the teams you've played. And to be fair, they're all teams who are going for it this season. So you look at your last game with Chef Wed, who are challenging for a playoff spot. MK Dons, who are challenging for a playoff spot. Oxford, who are challenging for a playoff spot. Mm. Wigan, who are challenging for the title in an automatic place. And then Bolton, who are a late sort of developer in the season and Bolton are a team who may well make the playoffs. So 
I mean, you've played decent teams recently, but is that a valid excuse for recent performances or not? I don't know. Like, I would say historically, we've always played better against better sides. Some of the fans have sort of queried the formation we've been playing. But I think, yeah, obviously, these teams that you mention are going for playoffs or automatic promotion, which would would have an effect on it but I would still expect the players to put in a shift and is that not is that not happening no no not with I mean there are some of the lads I mean there's lots of discussions on Twitter and the forums around who out of the current squad we should stick with and keep and there's not that many that people are kind of going yeah like so George Dobson obviously I know he was with you for a bit he's been immense he's been absolutely fantastic Albie Morgan has come back in. He was one of our academy products. He's been really consistent since he's come back into the team. Our forward line of Connor Washington and Jaden Stockley is probably one of the best in the league, but they've both been out injured. So it's difficult to kind of put your finger on what isn't working. Mm. I'm very much a believer that we should stick with Jacko and let him build his own squad in the summer. Whether he'll be allowed to do that or not is another question. But, yeah, I think definitely with the teams that we've been playing recently would have an effect on confidence because they're looking at those teams and going, oh, they're in the playoff places or they're going for automatic promotion. Yeah, it's tough. Tough. Yep, League One is definitely tough. I think we can attest to that. We've we've been here for four seasons now and even we're struggling to, to, to get out of it, but... We've had a lot of players in this league with us. Two of them, you just mentioned one there. Two of them play for Charlton currently. George Dobson, you said, has been immense. I think that might be a surprise to yeah. some fans of Sunderland who I don't think we ever saw the best of George Dobson really in a Sunderland shirt. Do you, what, what, what do you, what's his ceiling as a player, do you think? Because like I say, we signed him on the premise that Mm. He he was a, a good young prospect from Wimbledon and it just never worked for him. He didn't really get a... Uh, in the end, he didn't really get a solid run in the team and I don't think people were really having him. But it's interesting to hear you say that he's um, that he's doing quite well at Charlton. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, he's probably front-runner for player of the year mm. for us. He wasn't... When we had Nigel Atkins at the beginning of the season, he wasn't really playing him. When Jacko came in, George has been consistently in the team. He is. He's he's a fantastic player. When you talk about levels, I'm not sure. I think to see if I saw him in a in a stronger Charlton side, you could possibly say he could do it in the championship. But at the moment, I would say he's a very good League One player. Yeah, yeah. What about Adam Matthews then? What about Adam Matthews? I know. Notice he's he he's another one who he, we signed him when we were in the Premier League. He played a little bit yeah. in the Championship. He wasn't really part of the Premier League team, and it wasn't really until we came into League One that he got many games. But another player who moved on, and I'm not really sure fans were too bothered about him. Yeah, I think we're having the same issue here <laughs> with Adam. Um, it's a shame. Like you never like to see a player being sort of dug out. But he's often one that gets criticised for like mistakes made yeah. in games that has effectively cost us goals. There are times, like just from a personal point of view, 
which when I'm watching him and he's running down and down the wing with a ball and he, you're thinking, wow, fantastic. Um, and he's getting some good crosses in, but mm. then defensively, it's just, yeah, he's just not picking up his men. He's not, I mean, set pieces are our weakness, 100%. Yeah. And it, for whatever reason, he's just not doing it. I, I don't know why. I don't know whether there's some sort of attitude that, because obviously he's, he's, a, he's an international player. So whether he thinks he should be, at a bigger club or at a better level, I don't know. But it's for whatever reason, it's just not clicking. He's mm. playing at the moment because we haven't got any other options. <laughs> um, well, so yeah, it's and and it's sad because I, I any player that signs for us, you you always want them to do well, didn't you? You yeah. want to like, and I cheer him on at, at a game, and then you look at it after and you think, oh God, Adam, why did you do that? Why didn't you do that? just really disappointing so yeah but George yeah George is immense oh well to be fair I'm, I'm quite glad to hear that George Dobson's doing well because we we were having this conversation on the podcast at the weekend when we, like I said we were talking to Tom White and he was talking about how he doesn't like to hear when people boo players mm. who used to play for us and I'll be honest I, I wasn't a massive fan of George Dobson when he was at Sunderland um I certainly wouldn't boo him but it's I think mm. it's nice, especially for the younger lads when they go they go off and yeah, it might not work out here, but they, they go and they, they find somewhere where they're a little bit more comfortable and you know, being back down in the south, closer to his family might have just yeah. been what it was. You know, it's a big it's a big move for a young lad to come all the way up to Sunderland and um, you know, yeah. have your life turned on its head, move away from everything you've ever known. It's a lot to do with the football obviously, but it's all, there's a lot more to it. And it might have just been that he he's better suited in the south. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think personal circumstances have a big impact. At the end of the day, they are human beings. They're not robots. And I think if you if you don't settle in an area, we've just had the same with Charlie Kirk. We signed him from Crow. Really exciting about about it, and he just didn't settle. And he's he's obviously gone to Blackpool now, and he's mm. playing well. Yeah. So I mean, Charlie's Charlie's circumstances were slightly different. That he just lost his dad, and then he moved down south. And I just think at the time it was just the wrong time. And I know players can struggle with that that massive move, especially like Charlie had been at Crew all of his life. So yeah, it is a big change. London can be quite scary. So moving all the way down the country can affect how how someone plays and responds yeah. to to yeah. to life basically so i think yeah uh, i think that had got raised with george like one of the one of the guys that i chat to from Sunderland tony he'd sort of said to me about george when we signed george and sort of asked how he's getting on and i, I think it is down to that sort of like you say, being away from your family, your friends, everything you've known, your local area, it can be like a big drain on you emotionally. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say that's probably why it didn't work out for him at Sunderland, but mm. happy that he's with us and doing well. Yeah, and, and well, yeah, I'm happy he's doing well elsewhere. I'm hoping he doesn't play well on Saturday because we haven't really touched on the <laughs> game on Saturday, but he is likely to play. I think he had a really good game against us earlier in the season at the Stadium of Light, so he'll be well up for it. But like I said earlier, mm. you know, Charlton have had some bad results recently, and 
One mm. thing that might, might be good news for you guys is that when we've played teams in terrible form recently, we've lost and dropped points. So I'm certainly, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of Sunderland fans certainly aren't looking at this and thinking it's going to be a cakewalk because, like I say, we were put up against some poor teams recently where they've been, I think I think it was Cheltenham hadn't won in 13 and beat us. Doncaster were bottom of the table and beat us. So we're there to be got at, but at the same time, the, the caveat to all of this is that Sunderland finally won a game on Saturday and mm. what impact will that have on us? We don't know. I think I think when you speak to any Sunderland fan, they'll probably say, well, we'll wait and see. We're not getting too ahead of ourselves now. Yeah, it was a great mm. win against Wigan, but it means very little if you then go and lose to Charlton. How confident are you? Yeah. How confident are you about Charlton's chances on Saturday? I know, like I said, you've been in poor form, but does that concern you too much? I'm I'm really torn with this one, Gav. To be honest, it's like you say. Like I've said earlier, like we raise our game for better sides. We do okay against Sunderland, on the whole, but I just. I worry that the injuries that we've got on the confidence level at the moment that we I I feel like we're going to struggle. They might surprise me, but I mean if we got a point I'd be buzzing, put it that way. Mm. I don't know. I I just think it's I like to think that that we could do it, but I don't feel confident. No. Which is unusual for me because I'm <laughs> normally quite um they always tell, say that I'm the rose tinted girl <laughs> it's yeah I think you in that respect you, like we're six points off of relegation the relegation areas now we have got something to play for but at the same time Sunderland I almost feel like Sunderland have got more to play for does well, that make sense yeah yeah we, we've got to get in the playoffs we've got to get promoted and mm. that win at, at Wigan was great, 3-0 win away from home against a, a top team, great. But then you look at the other teams around us who've won games and you think, well, we had to win. We absolutely had to win. We're still sixth in the table, but there are teams below us with games in hand. I mean, I'm just looking at it now. Plymouth have got two games in hand and they're only three points behind us. So we've mm. got it. I mean, we, our manager's been very clear. You know, he wants to take one game at a time. So Charlton is just the next challenge and we've got to, we've got to meet that mm. face on and, and 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 yeah try and get another three points i mean we we can't really afford to keep dropping points like we have hopefully this is a mini resurgence from our point of view but you guys not being in such great form it might be heartening to some people but not to me not because of the way we've handled these situations recently but other than that i know i know you you're not too confident but how do you see the game playing out itself? I mean, I'm looking, I won't press you for a score prediction if you were uh, if you if you're not comfortable giving one. But how do you see sort of Charlton approaching the game and it perhaps playing out over the ninety minutes? I think depending on who's fit is going to have a big say in it. I think our main issue is obviously leaking goals, not loads. I mean, Oxford obviously was four, but it's like one or two nils. But they're silly mistakes. Yeah. I'm wondering if we're going to be potentially a bit more defensive on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I can see Jacko sticking with the formation that we've been playing while he's been manager. I think it will be a tight game based on what you've sort of said about Sunderland. I always look out for Sunderland's results, but I can honestly see it being like a nil-nil, one-one. Yeah. 
I wouldn't I be surprised. We're, we're potentially gonna both of us for for different reasons with the nerves and stuff like that. Potentially could be a bit of a a flat one. Yeah, well, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I hope we win, um, <laughs> and I'm sure you hope you win. But like I said, we are both in weird situations at the minute. I, I don't feel like Sunderland have really got any momentum, despite the fact we won last weekend. You guys are second bottom in the form table, I think. Mm. So, I mean, like I said earlier at the year when we spoke to Tom at the weekend, he was very much of the opinion that Charlton might be in a bit of a false position. So, it should be interesting at least. I, I, I think the the neutral might favour a draw. So, I, I wouldn't be totally shocked. And mm. to be honest, after the way we've been playing recently, if it, if we put in a brilliant performance but only managed to draw, I don't think people would be too disappointed. But yeah. we really we need to be winning games, really. And I am. That's the same for you yeah. guys, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We. I mean, we. You, when you start getting that much closer to the, the bottom four, you do start getting a bit twitchy and look at the games that you sort of think, oh, I should have got a point out of that at least or should have won that one. Yeah, potentially, like losing again Saturday, it's just drawing us closer into that area. I mean, I think the results went in our favour with, with the teams below us. But we can't rely on other teams to keep us in this league. We have to do our own thing. Yeah. And I know Johnny will be like, he'll be so on it with with the players and how much they need to be raising their game. And they need to be up. If you can't get up for games like this, you don't deserve to be a footballer, in my opinion. Like even though it, we're both in League One's. In my eyes, Sunderland is still one of the biggest clubs in the in the country. If you can't get up for that, then yeah you don't deserve to be playing well sue thank you very much for your time really appreciate it i wish you luck for the rest of the season obviously not on saturday though we've got to win that game as much as you guys do but yeah i hope you you stay up you have a strong finish to the season and um hopefully in a couple of years time maybe we're doing this again i'm I'm like maybe maybe hoping in the championship rather than league one though yeah yeah same (laughs) but can i just also just quickly just offer my condolences to the family of michael i don't know if the club are planning on doing anything on saturday yeah yeah yeah, very sad it's sad news to see a fan pass away going to watch his team appreciated and like i say hopefully something can be done at the weekend i'm sure it'll be acknowledged thank you very much sue appreciate your time and thanks for joining us yeah thanks gav and thanks everyone for listening we've um we've got plenty more in store for you as the week progresses there'll be a reaction pod after the charlton game and there'll be plenty coming up on rotoreport.com so if we don't see you before the weekend we'll catch you later and good luck on saturday Sunland. cheers Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.